Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Miri, start eight, 2713.5. When the Enterprise responds to a distress signal from a planet which happens to look exactly like Earth, Kirk, Spock, Yeoman Janice Rand, McCoy, and two security guards beam down and find precisely that, a copy of Earth, but back in the mid-1960s. On the planet's surface, while inoffensively examining a tricycle, <clears throat> a creature attacks them. The creature appears to be a disfigured human, but turns out to be an adolescent with an extremely accelerated metabolism. He dies shortly after the encounter. But a security guard spots another inhabitant. Following it into a building, the landing party finds a 300-year-old piano. They discover their quarry to be a young girl named Miri. Miri is afraid of the landing party because they are grups and the grups killed and hurt children before them, they themselves died. The members of the landing party soon learn that they are all infected by a strange disease which causes death to anyone who has reached puberty. At the deserted hospital, they discover that the disease with which they are all afflicted was accidentally created by a project to prolong life. They also discovered the lonelies, the children, on the planet are actually 300 years old, having aged only one month for every 100 years of real time. Kirk is attacked by Louise, a girl who has just gone through puberty and stuns her with a phaser. Like the first creature, she dies. The landing party finds old records and discovers that they only have seven days to live. Meanwhile, the children, led by John, steal the landing party's communicators, rendering their search for a cure almost impossible. When Yeoman Rand becomes upset and Kirk hugs her to comfort her, Mary becomes jealous and runs away to scheme with the children. Together, they devise a plan which they call a foolie, which consists of kidnapping Yeoman Rand. Kirk tries to convince Mary that all children eventually contract the disease despite her protestations that it only happens sometimes. Mary takes Kirk to the children who proceed to attack him. After Kirk has shown them that it is they who are doing the hurting and convinced them they will all die without his help, the children finally listen to the grumps. Kirk returns to the hospital only to find that Bones has injected himself with a possible vaccine. Fortunately for Bones, the vaccine is found to be safe and effective and they are all inoculated. They leave the children behind and contact Starfleet to send advisors and teachers. Fun fact, Kim Darby, who starred with John Wayne and Glenn Campbell in the original movie version of True Grit, was 19 when she played the pre-adolescent Miri. So what are the key compliance takeaways from this episode? The first one, I think, uh, really evolves around translation because the children have developed their own language uh, first of all, grumps and foolies, uh, that uh, they translate into, and originally the crew cannot understand what they're talking about. And this really brings home for me that you should uh, always translate your policies and procedures into local language. But equally importantly, do you receive back information 
in um, the local language? Do you allow people to raise their hand and speak up in local language? Second is, is your compliance program rules-based or values-based? Um, one of the key themes in the episode is the subject of playing games. And it's made clear that the children have to know the rules to play the game. Uh, when the landing party first meets Mary, she said, what's, what's your game? I need to know the rules. I don't know the rules. I have to know the rules to understand the game. And several of the other children ask and talk about understanding the rules of the game. And then finally, how, while you should, and most people, I think, understand the need for risk assessments, how often do you pressure test your compliance program? How often do you see if there are places where it could fall apart? And this, I thought, was really driven home uh, in this episode by the example of the lack of communicators leading to the lack of additional resources, particularly in the form of the ship's computer, that uh, McCoy and Spock were using to try to come up with an anecdote for the disease or the condition. What are you going to do if you have to go old school? What are you going to have to? What are you going to do if you don't have access to the computer-based information? Do you have backup documentation? Do you have any documentation? Uh, if you've ever heard me speak, you know I say the three most important things are document, document, document. But document, document, document also is to create a record. So do you have backup records that you would have access to if your mainframe goes down? What about your backup server? So. Um, do you have the opportunity to pressure test your compliance program to see if you do have failures in one or more key systems that uh, those systems can be uh, not overridden, but you have backup systems in place uh, to uh, help you get through the crisis? Of course, the Boeing 737 MAX uh, incident involved uh, a double sensor array, uh, which uh, was led to the MAC system, the safety system that failed. And one of the key indicia, or rather the key reasons for that failure is they took away one of the two sensors. So uh, if you have two sensors and one fails, you obviously have a backup. Well, if you have one sensor and it fails for whatever reason, uh, whether it be damaged, whether it be uh, working correctly, or whether it even be incorrect interpretation of the information, if you have uh, no backup, then you have no way to test whether the information and data you're receiving is correct. So think about pressure testing your system. Uh, that can be certainly around your internal controls uh, going forward. This was a uh, great episode. The uh, sets from the backlot at Desilu were and Paramount were excellent. It really recreated uh 1960s Earth, as you might expect for a series that was filmed in 1960. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow where we take up the episode Dagger of the Mind. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.